Hello, and welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 25. Challenging emotions, they pass. So one of my favorite quotes is, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. So the idea is really just about tolerating uncomfortable emotions. You know, everybody is going to experience them and just thinking that they often come in waves and they will pass can help someone get through it in a little bit. And I think just changing our thoughts around that can be very helpful. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD, or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. And so... I'm very excited today, as I always say, you guys are going to say I'm always excited, but I am because I have a guest that has returned, Dr. Carrie Jackson. So when she was on here the last time, we talked about ADHD and anxiety and the differences between it and when you know you have one or the other or both. But today we are going to dig into RSD, so rejection sensitive dysphoria. So... Welcome again, Carrie. Thank you for coming back. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be back and, you know, talking about things related to ADHD. It's really exciting to be here. So just so the audience who may have not seen the last video, can you tell them a little bit about your background, just a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I have my PhD in psychology and I am currently finishing up the licensing requirements to become a licensed child psychologist. Exciting. So, yeah, I hope it is. And hopefully within the next six months, I will be completely done. So right now I work at a children's hospital where I do evaluations, therapy, both individual family and group work with kids. A lot of them have ADHD or difficulty listening and following through with direction. So very excited to talk about a hot topic um, that many families ask me about, people on Instagram. Very excited about it. Well, very cool. So let's get right into it. So can you give us a definition of what rejection sensitive dysphoria is? Sure. So it is a cognitive disposition. So by that, I mean it is a way that someone thinks and interprets situations that happen in their world, and it is a heightened sensitivity to perceiving real or unreal rejection. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's when kids, adults, does not matter their age, they just have a heightened sensitivity to rejection, and so they might feel that more sensitively and have stronger reactions than other people. So do you see it or do you find that people with ADHD tend to be more sensitive than others? I personally do. So it's actually something that has been well studied in several mental health uh, concerns. So there is a strong link right now between rejection-sensitive dysphoria and anxiety and depression disorders, as well as some other concerns as well. But with ADHD, the research is actually not well studied, surprisingly. So even though like 
I personally can see how all of these, you know, heightened sensitivities to rejection may affect kids with ADHD. It has not been well studied, unfortunately. So yeah, it's something that I think could definitely affect kids with ADHD, but it's not something that's been well studied. So in other words, the information out there hasn't really connected the two, but ADHDers feel like they are experiencing it more just because they tend to, or we tend to internalize things a little bit more than your neurotypicals, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it definitely could be linked to ADHD because one thing that it suggested how RSD develops is because earlier experiences with rejection tend to influence how someone views perceived or real rejection later. And so kids with ADHD in particular, even, you know, college kids, adults, they tend to have more experiences with rejection because unfortunately with some of the symptoms like inattentiveness, you're less likely to pick up on social cues. Um, and so you might yeah, miss out on opportunities for social interactions, or if you're more impulsive, you might be overly intrusive, which lead to more social difficulties. And so those experiences for kids with ADHD can affect later experiences. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. So I just think about my life growing up. And as I shared with you, I was recently diagnosed. So a lot of things mm-hmm. make sense. But the RSD piece really connects with me because I just think back of all those times that I had perceived that someone was rejection, rejecting me, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, someone didn't like me or a teacher was upset with me or I would read an email incorrectly. You know, so there were just so many different situations where I truly internalized it. So I can see how that could happen to someone. Yeah. And it often carries over into adults and their personal relationships, whether it's friendships, partners, marriage, work relationships too. And I don't want to make it seem with the word perceived rejection. I don't want to make it seem like it is fake. It feels completely real and it's a valid experience. Exactly. Yeah, like you just right. No, that's really a good point, Carrie, because it is. I mean, you are going through all of the emotions that are tied with it and you are going through. So like, you know, the anxiety and like you said, it's connected to depression, just feeling so horrible because of that rejection situation. So that is a really good point. Now, my question to you is it is not truly a diagnosis. Is that correct? Yes, and I'm so glad you brought this up because it is really one of the most important things I think for people to know is that if you go see a doctor or a psychologist or a therapist, they will not be able to diagnose you with RSD. So it is not a mental health diagnosis. It is more of a way that people differ but it is not an actual mental health diagnosis. So it's just something that you can bring up to a therapist certainly and say, you know, I feel like I'm really sensitive to rejections from peers, my partner. Can we work on that? But they won't be able to diagnose it. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Cause some people do think that this could be diagnosed and they could get specific help, but you still can get help for it. Right. Absolutely. You can still get help for it because it's often tied to other mental health concerns like depression, anxiety, um, possibly ADHD as well. And it's not a diagnosis right now. It may be in the future, but in our current classification of mental health concerns, it is not. 
Okay, so that makes perfect sense. So, you know, when do you think it is important for someone to seek that help so they can get help for it, but when does it become really a problem? If you find that your interpretations of like rejection, whether it's real rejection or perceived rejection, are starting to impact your mood significantly and really impacting your day-to-day life, I think that is a time where it's a good idea to seek out therapy or just help from another professional and say, you know, I've noticed some changes in how I'm feeling and I feel like it's really impacting my mood. And that may impact how you're doing in your work, school, day-to-day life. And that would be a really good sign that it's, you know, time to get help. As far as parents too, I think parents are really attuned to knowing when they see a difference in how their kids are feeling. So if you start to see significant changes in your kids, if they are saying things that like they're not a good friend, those are some keys that it might be a good time to seek help for your child too. So even before that step, are there things that parents can do or conversations that we can have with our children if they are feeling that way? Yeah, so I think having, you know, the validation piece of what they're experiencing is super important first off. So like we said, even if it is just perceived, to validate what they are feeling because that will really foster an open, good relationship where they will tell you how they feel. So that's something that I would say is first off a really good piece. Then you can play basically a detective with your kids where you inspect their thoughts and help them come up with any other possibilities for what they might see as rejection. So this is a tip we use in therapy all the time called cognitive restructuring. Mm. So a parent, you might ask your kid, okay, so what is the evidence that they were rejecting you and they didn't want to hang out with you? And then what is the evidence against that? Are there any other reasons why they didn't call you to hang out? So you're really starting to take a closer look at their thoughts they're having that are leading them to think they're being rejected. Mm. This can help kids start to realize sometimes there are other explanations. So maybe your friend did not call you because they were sick, but someone who has a sensitivity to rejection might automatically go to they don't like me anymore. They don't want to hang out with me. So asking those types of like detective questions and challenging your thinking can be so helpful. And it's something parents can teach their kids to do. Okay. And so you talked about generally seeing some differences with your children, but what are some of those things that we should look for? Because some parents are just busy or they may be with the sitters quite a bit. So what should they be looking for to see if there are any changes with your children. Often teachers actually will tell parents about some of these difficulties. So in my experience, it's been that teachers will say, you know, the kids at school are having trouble interacting with him because he's all over the place. And kids will often make comments too about themselves, unfortunately, which is so sad, but they will say things like, I'm not a good friend. So if you pick up on your kid making any negative statements, or if the teacher says anything like that, I think that's a really good sign to explore it further and see, you know, are there any things I can help them with? Would it be a good idea to get them involved in therapy right now? Okay. And then for the advocation piece, so the teacher has brought it up. 
is there things that they should do to work together so then that way it can make the process smoother even for them at school? Yeah, so I mean, having that open communication with your with the child's teacher is so important because, you know, that's where kids spend most of their time. I mean, now during COVID, it's a little bit different, of course, but having that open communication is key because then you can talk to the teacher about, you know, these are some things we are working on in therapy. So could you please practice praising him for good social skills or for staying in his seat? Because those are the things we've realized are really impacting his ability to make friends. Teachers can also do like an amazing job and parents too, as far as like setting up play dates for their kids and helping them be successful in those. So Say that you set up a play date with your kid and then you can actually coach them through using appropriate social skills. So that would just be like you in a room with your kid and a friend playing and praising them for things like good job sharing, good job keeping your hands to yourself. That helps kids learn good social skills that will help them um, in future social interactions too. That's a really good idea. And one of the other things that I do is I am very open with parents in terms of what my child is going through. So then that way they can also be almost like part of the team in terms of saying those positive things too. So any play date that I have, the parent is very well, well aware that my child has ADHD and also that we are working through social skills issues. So not just you know, talking with the teachers about these things. I also talk to the parents. I'm very open about it too, because I want everybody to have a good experience. Yeah. And that sets them up for success too, because then the parents, they know what to expect. And you are really saying, you know, you're involving them in the help too, which is so important because you're not around your kids all of the time. And it's really about setting everybody else up for success too, because by doing that, you set your child up for success. Yeah, that's very true. So for adults and, you know, for parents who are going through this, are there any tips or tricks for them to work through some of their rejections, you know, situations, be it perceived or actual? What type of advice can you give to those people who are still feeling it today? Is a really difficult thing to feel. Um, And one thing that helps, particularly, I think, for teenagers and adults, and it's a good tip that has been found to work with anyone who has, like, anxiety and depression, is to separate yourself from the thought, Mm. okay? So often we interpret our thoughts as facts, and when we just are thinking our thoughts, so, okay, I'm a bad girlfriend, I'm a bad um, wife, That is something that we internalize and it starts to become part of our identity. So one thing that you can do is to actually say, I am having the thought that I am a bad friend or I am having the thought that they don't want to hang out with me anymore. That starts to separate yourself from it and you can actually grow some distance from it and feel a little bit of relief and an ability to kind of change what you think about the situation just by doing that simple trick. Oh, I like that. And then sometimes, so one of the things I mentioned is, you know, sometimes I get the wrong impression through email, for example. So sometimes I just pick up the phone and call. (laughs) Yes, that is a great tip. I love that. Or texting, right? (laughs) Yes. It's like, what does this mean? You know? (laughs) 
So. Yeah, unless you put like an exclamation point, I am just like, this is, they're mad at me. So. <laughs> There's no emojis. They definitely are mad at me. And you know what? That is not right at all. People text differently. So. I need to remind myself about that a lot more too, honestly, now that we're talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I remember a time where I had moved from one organization within a company to another. Well, mm -hmm. in that organization, we wrote emails differently. We just wrote their name and then wrote the information. Well, when I moved to another organization, they put hi and hello in front of everything before they. <laughs> so when I, I started that way, but then I went to back to my old habits and literally there was someone who thought I was mad at them <laughs> because I didn't say hi in front of his name. <laughs> so That is so funny, right? Yeah. And so that's another thing is like when we are in it and we have these thoughts about someone is mad at me or I did something wrong to make them mad, we often don't think about like, okay, I do these things sometimes and like, does that mean I'm mad at the other person? It really doesn't, but it feels like it in that moment. So, yeah. so that is too funny. So is there any other tips or tricks, whether it be for parents with children with ADHD or ADHD parents or, you know, parents that have ADHD, is there any other tips that you would share with them to help them get through episodes or anything around RSD? So, Thinking just that, you know, challenging emotions, they pass. So one of my favorite quotes is, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. So the idea is really just about tolerating uncomfortable emotions. You know, everybody is going to experience them and just thinking that they often come in waves and they will pass can help someone get through it in a little bit. And I think just changing um, our thoughts around that can be very helpful. Very nice. And is there any type of resources? I don't know if there's really resources out there for RSD, but is there anything out there that people can look for? Yeah, so I haven't found any books particularly on RSD. I would caution against Googling it because some of the information I've seen is actually incorrect, mm. but I have found that for kids in particular, there is a workbook called the ADHD workbook for kids. It has a lot of good exercises for kids that can help build their self-esteem and also practice good social skills. And I think that's something that a lot of parents would benefit from. So I recommend that book too. Very nice. And Carrie, if they have any more questions for you, can you share how people can get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so you can get me on Instagram is where it's easiest to contact me. I'm at the.parent.therapist, or you can go to my website at www.drcarriejackson.com. I actually have a free ADHD guide for parents listed there. So feel free to download that and get some information about ADHD. Very nice. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun to join again. I love talking about this topic because it's something that I think research is really going to start growing in. So super fun to chat about it. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Thank you. All right. So everyone, that was another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Carrie, have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.